Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Hey, greetings and salutations, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the best show on your radio. It is Freddie and Harry. Thank you very much. He is Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie coming together on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and always through your smart speaker to play ESPN radio. I want everybody out there to pray for two particular people on this show, Freddie Coleman and Devin King, one of our producers. Why? I'll be glad to tell you why. Because two other principals part of this show who shall remain nameless, Harry Douglas and Shannon Penn did not have the best of Tuesdays to start this day. So Harry Douglas was at the championship game last night involving Michigan, Washington. I'll let you lead first. And then Mr. Happy Go Lucky, a.k.a. Shannon Penn, will tell his tales of misadventure that have happened to you guys this morning. Yeah, this is two weeks in a row that I I, I come into a Tuesday on one hour of sleep, literally oh. one hour of sleep. So I, I get to the airport. My, my flight's supposed to be at 6 a.m., um, there were tornado warnings that we had in Houston last night that right. stopped a lot of people from getting out of Houston. Yeah. But then those tornado warnings moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where I had to fly back to. Uh-huh. So make a, sh- a long story short, my damn flight was delayed, right? <laughs> so I, I don't land to about one something, mm-hmm. and I'm so sleep deprived. And all I can think this entire time that I'm waiting for this flight is that I could be in my hotel room in my birthday suit, no clothes on, <laughs> sleep. <laughs> literally sleep because that's the way I slept last night. I'm right. one hour. I slept naked, nothing on. Right? I could literally be in the hotel room uh-huh. with nothing on, sleep in these bed, imprinting my body in these sheets. That's exactly what I could have been doing, but okay. it did end up that way, Freddie. Right. And, and, and I'm here now. But as soon as I get home, uh-huh. so my back, son is back to the birthday suit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I told my wife, Love Friday is tomorrow. Love Friday. Excuse me, not tomorrow. Later in the week, <laughs> I'll be home. <laughs> so, so I come home, Freddie, and my son's not feeling well. So my son's not at school. Uh-huh. My wife has said he's been like irritated all morning. Yeah. So he's been whiny. All he wanted was his daddy, man. He, okay. he, he came to his dad, yeah. laid with me for about 10 minutes and went right to sleep. Right. And I'm, and I'm here now with y'all. But boy, uh-huh. you talking about sleep deprived? Uh-huh. But guess what? The right. people don't give a damn. That's they true. say, Harry, you got a show to do. Yeah. So I'm here That's with right. you, Freddie, yeah. because we got to give the people what they want. No doubt about that. Speaking of not giving a damn, that brings us to Shannon Penn, our producer, because no one, apparently a UPS driver, did not give a damn about your feelings this Tuesday morning, huh, Shannon? All right, so look, I'll make a long story short. It snowed up here, all right? Yes, I, I, didn't, I didn't get the snow off my car, so I was a little behind this morning, leaving out, uh-huh. coming to work. Right. Had to make, make it here for the 12 o'clock meeting because I didn't want to get fined uh-huh. for missing the meeting. Uh-huh. So I leave a little later than normal, but I still had enough time to get here. Right. So I take a little back road or whatever, trying to take a shortcut or what have you, right? Uh-huh. A UPS truck is parked in the middle of the street. 
And then, like, I'm looking at dude. He's still in the truck. I'm like, yo, you're in the way. I'm trying to get through. My man straight looks at me, rolled his eyes, and kept on going delivering his packages. No! Yo, and he's strolling, too. Like, no urgency to it. Like, let me hurry up because my man's waiting for me. Oh, no. He was strolling. Like, bro, man from the fifth floor. He was strolling to the door. I'm like, what are you doing? No. he he almost. Ooh. He he treated you like Miss Jerry on Martin. Remember when Martin Martin gave Miss Jerry his his tuna sandwich? And Miss Jerry looked at the sandwich and said, Tuna? Uh, I don't eat no damn tuna. Threw it on the ground and stomped on it and went to walking off. <laughs> Mr. UPS man, Mr. Brown truck, uh-huh. you got to move your tail out the way, man. No, he said, put it this way. He told Shannon, this is what Brown is going to do for you. Nothing. <laughs> I'm not doing anything as far as that goes. So that's why we need prayer when it comes to both of these two gentlemen who did not have the best of starts to their Tuesday. If you want to be a part of that prayer, do that part of Freddie and Harry Nation or the Dr. Pepper call in line at triple eight say ESPN. That is eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season or UPS drivers not giving a you know what about Shannon Penn without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. It is the one fans deserve. So now they've gone through their Tuesday thing. Let's get to the main thing, the main thing. 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 The main thing with Freddie and Harry. Brother Harry Dogs, you were there last night, part of so many different alternate broadcasts that we had of the championship game that was a runaway early. Then Washington got back into it. Then Michigan was able to run and hide and win that national championship, the first one for Michigan, since they were able to do that in 1997. They beat Washington, even though the score turned out to be that way. It was definitely looking it was going to be a lot closer than the final involving Michigan winning that game by more than 20 points. You were there to see them win 34-13. to What did you see as that game was able to progress along and Michigan was their first national championship since 1997? Before the game, Freddie, a lot of people said, including myself, is if Michigan was able to control, number one, the tempo, but also the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, that's their offensive line and defensive line, they were going to win that ball game. And that's what we've seen early in that matchup. You've seen Donovan Edwards, who yeah. didn't have a great year this season, nope. coming off a phenomenal year a year ago in 2022. Mm-hmm. Two touchdowns off of mishaps of misplacement by linebackers and guys not being gap sound for the Washington Huskies. And his second touchdown, you have a defensive lineman slanting to the left side of the formation, Mm -hmm. but you don't have a linebacker replacing or anybody replacing him in his gap. So that allowed Donovan Edwards to rush for a second touchdown. Uh, But also, I thought the offensive line of Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore, those guys since this early on, is that, you know what? Washington can't handle our run game over and over and over again. In the first quarter, the Michigan Wolverines averaged 19 yards per carry. Yes, folks, I'm not making that number up. 19 yards per carry. That's insane to me. But Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and even J.J. McCarthy's, uh, McCarthy at times, mm-hmm. when he had to rush the football effectively, he was able to do so. But that defensive line and that defense led by Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, and a lot of people, you probably haven't heard of him, but you should have heard of him. He's a guy that spent time in the National Football League. Right. He was on the 
staff for the Baltimore Ravens for four straight seasons. So he was able to learn a lot. We know the, the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, he came from Michigan where he was the D.C. before mm-hmm. Jesse Minter was right. <laughs> for the Michigan Wolverines. So all those ties together, we even seen John Harbaugh, even though his flight was delayed because of the weather, right. when Jim Harbaugh was on the sideline last night with his head down, on hand on his knees, tap his brother, hey, I'm here, baby. Mm-hmm. Hey, I got you. you That's pretty b- cool. Brother here. You know, but I just thought the Michigan Wolverines this entire season, they were the most complete football team. Uh, they were the most well-coached football team. I think it was four or five turnovers the Michigan Wolverines offense had the entire year. How crazy is that number, Freddie? Well, they don't yeah. beat themselves. Yeah, you know what? And I'm sure there are a lot of those people out there, those cynical people, you know who you are, saying, well, of course they didn't make the big mistake. They had film of the opponents. There was no reason <laughs> for them to make any of those kind of big mistakes. But – Something you just said that really jumped out to me. That big mistake always seemed to pay off for Michigan and never against them. For the first time all year, Washington ran into a football team that when you made a big mistake or an official missed a holding call here or an official missed a holding call there, normally if that happened to Washington, they didn't have to worry about the opponent really making that pay against them. That's what happened last night because that Michigan team, to your point, being the most balanced team in college football – Part of that bounce, they never allow plays to get away from them. They never, you never had a belief last night that the minute Michigan got up 17 to 3, you said, Washington will find a way to flip this around and maybe get the lead. I never got that sense. Even they got the 20 to 13, I said, this is just delaying the inevitable to me. Because in the fourth quarter, we saw that. They got worn down by the Michigan ground game. They got worn down by the Michigan defense. They got worn down by the toughness of Michigan. Because poor Michael Penix Jr., he looked like he needed a stretcher to get off of that yeah. field, how they kept pounding him. And, yeah, he was playing – usually you play left-handed since he's left-handed, you're playing right-handed. He didn't have that running game to really balance off Michigan. But I don't think that would have mattered if their running back was at a full-tilt boogie 100%. That defensive line said, we know who we have to hit. We're going to hit you, meaning Michael Penix Jr. And if we find a running back on the way to that, so be it. But they never allowed a big mistake to punish Michigan the way for the first time all year, big mistakes – Punish Washington early, late, and often. And I will say this. It was almost a big mistake by Michigan to decide to go for it on fourth and two at their own 40-yard line. See, if, if, if I can point to one mistake for their football team – that was it for me because at mm-hmm. that moment they continued to have the Washington Huskies offense backed up and that defense was playing ferocious and getting off the football field. So they gave them life at right. that moment. So I was like, why wouldn't Jim Harbaugh punt this football, mm-hmm. back them up and bank on this defense? Listen, yeah. Mike Sanristeel, their, their nickel corner, was really who, good last night. Who, who was formerly a wide receiver and moved over to that side of the ball, I asked him at media day, Moving from receiver to DB, how does that give you an advantage? And his, this was his answer. He was like, well, I understand route depths. I understand route combinations. And yeah. I can also share those things with the rest of the guys in my secondary. Will Johnson, he played phenomenal. Had an unbelievable acrobatic interception yeah. to begin the second half when Washington was trying to go down the field on their first drive and get a score and, and tie the ball game up. But I thought the Huskies, they had their opportunities, Freddie. Yes, they did. They, they just misfired. They, they, there was missed opportunities for them over and over again that that play to Romo Duze, uh, Dunze on, on fourth and I believe it was fourth and one or fourth and two maybe fourth and three that Michael Penix missed he was and, wide and open I, in the I, flat on the left side coming underneath yeah so so, so I kind of put that play on the receiver and the quarterback I know a lot of people say Michael Penix missed the throw but 
the route concept that they ran to that side, it was the tight end on a flat route out towards the sideline, about mm. three or four yards. And the receiver, Rome, was supposed to run a 15 to 18-yard bench route, deep out route. So what happened, Rome was so doggone wide open, he just kind of threw his hand up, yeah. and Michael Penix was in between. Should I put it on him? Should I put it in between the spot or right. where he is and where he's supposed to go? And it was one of the biggest plays in that game. He also missed, you know, another wide receiver wide open. It was a tight end wide open for a touchdown down the middle. He threw it to Westover instead. Yeah. So there are opportunity. The, the third and two dropped by the running back coming out of the Absolutely. backfield. Absolutely, yep. They missed a lot of opportunities. And then when they finally did hit a big play, when it was a seven-point ball game, the, the 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 referees called a Bush League holding penalty that kind of, you know, stopped things, and mm. they had to punt and gave that ball back to Michigan, and that's when Michigan went up two scores, and it was over, from in my opinion, at that point. Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together, and Freddie and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance and ESPN Radio. I'm going to ask Harry this question in two minutes, but I'm going to ask you of that question right now. Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. How do you view Michigan winning the national championship with all that has gone on this season – but they still were the only team to finish undefeated when it was all said and done. How do you view their national championship? Let's hear from you on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. If you ask Jim Harbaugh, Michigan coach, at least for now, you knew what his answer was going to sound like. Well, I checked the biggest box, you know, for me personally, just to be, uh, you know, part of the family, you know, uh, with my dad, who won a national championship with Western Kentucky in 2002, and John Harbaugh, who won the Super Bowl 2012 season, 2013 Super Bowl. I get to sit at the, uh, the big person's table now. Uh, that, that feels really good. Just you know, to, be, to be the only coach in your own family that you know, hasn't won a national t- title uh, or Super Bowl, the, the championship, yeah, that feels great personally. It's amazing how you have not heard this part of the narrative of Michigan since they kept on winning and kept on winning. A lot of people have not been able to say there's a stain next to that national championship. There should be an asterisk next to that national championship. Yeah, some Ohio State fans are still hot and bothered about that. And some old school purists are unhappy about Michigan winning the national championship. But, Harry, ever since this has come along, we still have a resolution to this whole thing mm-hmm. that happened involving the sign-stealing scandal. I've heard less and less and less of that narrative being a part of Michigan in the national championship when it seemed that that was right on the same headline. That's why I'm not going to view their championship any differently because they were not the only school doing this. No one did it to that level and got caught. But I think the more and more they kept winning, the less and less we heard about you got to put an asterisk next to that national championship if Michigan wins it in 2023. I think for me, Freddie, it's the simple fact that you had your head coach, Jim Harbaugh, miss six games, and the team was able to be 6-0. and And on that quest for this national championship that they were able to get, you look at the last three games of the year when Michigan went against the number 10 team in the country and Penn State at the moment. They went on the road to Maryland. They had a scare, but they found a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. They played the number two team in the country in the Ohio State Buckeyes, which they called the game. Uh, uh, one of the biggest rivalry, if not the biggest rivalry in, in college football, in college sports. And not only that, you go to the Big Ten title game when you're facing a number 16 Iowa and you win that one uh, in, in a, in a uh, deciding ma- matter, decisive matter, excuse me. Uh, then you get to the college football playoffs and you're going against Nick Saban and the coaching staff of Michigan. They outcoached Nick Saban and his coaching staff in that ball game. And you, you know, 
beat Alabama and send them packing on their merry-go-way. And then you look at how Michael Penix Jr. and this Washington Huskies football team came into the championship game undefeated, uh, number two ranked team in the country. You go through a gauntlet like that, I don't want to hear no damn body tell me that mm-hmm. this national championship is tainted. What, what we should be doing, though, and what I don't think a lot of people are pointing out is the culture and the structure that Jim Harbaugh has within the Michigan program yeah. that allowed no one to waver, mm. no one to you know stray away from the task at hand. Everyone in that program had tunnel vision. Everyone in that program believed in one another. Coaching staff down. And they were able to get this done. Mm. I, I had an opportunity, man, to talk to Blake Coram's father after the game for about 15, 20 minutes. Right. And it's a, re- it's, it's a reason why Blake Coram is a phenomenal human being that he is because his upbringing, his mom and dad, he has a, a phenomenal supporting cast. But the way he spoke about the Michigan program, the way he spoke about Blake Coram's teammates and the coaching staff or whatnot, mm. it said a lot to me. That's a parent. I, I'm a parent of two kids, and that's the way I would want, dream about talking about, you mm-hmm. know, a coach or something that's coaching my daughter or my son when they get to that level. Right. Uh, but but it's just amazing what they were able to do, and they were in unison. They were they were one band, one sound through and through this entire season, and yeah. nothing could disrupt that. Yeah, I, I, I think I did see Nick Cannon a couple of times talking about that with Doctor Lee, Doctor Lee from Drumline. So well <laughs> about you with that one band and one sound. Josh in Ohio, Michigan, they're the national champions of college football. They finished the regular season undefeated at 15 and 0. How would you view their national championship? Um, I would say pretty much exactly what the previous caller said. They earned it. If, if the number one argument against them with this asterisk is because they cheated and stole signs, if it was even to the level that you put it at the highest, highest level possible, and say, okay, that it gave them an extra 15, 20, 25 points. Look at the level of competition they were playing before they, they got put under a microscope, and they and it could not be done anymore because they had too much heat. They played nobody. They were destroying teams that they were that good of a team. It didn't matter whether they cheated or not. They were going to beat them that bad. I think the very that, first game that it exploded, Michigan State, what happened? They went to Michigan State, won 49 up. The one thing that Josh in Ohio, thank you for the call that pointed out, whatever the allegations are, the worst part about it to me was that Michigan didn't need to involve themselves in that. No. That's the no. Yeah, I, I'm not condoning anything by anybody, but especially you're getting four- and five-star recruits to engage in that kind of espionage to me makes absolutely no sense. I compared to the whole Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens situation. You got the gifts from the baseball gods. What would lead you to think, I need to have a little bit more just because other guys were doing it and getting more notoriety and extending their careers? You already got the gods, gifts from the baseball gods. Michigan already got the recruiting gods and having that program. Why they decide to allegedly engage in something like that made absolutely not one lick of sense to me. But their argument could always be, we were not the only team, the only university, the only football program out doing a lot of these things to try to get that advantage against their opponents. And, Freddie, their second argument can be this, too, as well. Y'all say we didn't play anybody worthwhile early on. Okay, so when we went against the top ten teams, we whooped their ass, too without the cheating scandal that everyone was bringing up and mentioning. So through and through – 
they have that argument that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. but also the one that I just mentioned. Yeah. Because when the chips laid on that football field, the the Michigan Wolverines were the most complete team. They were the most well-coached football team. They were the team that made the least amount of mistakes through and through in just about every game that they played in. And they show how unified that they truly were by winning the national championship it's it's that one word when yeah. they figured out John Hob- Jim Harbaugh was not going to be on that, those sidelines. Mm-hmm. Bet. That's all you heard yeah. them tweet and yeah. text. Yeah. Bet. You even heard that from Michigan alumni like like Tom Brady, for example. Everybody was part of that one band, one sound, whether yeah. they were part of that team this year or as a graduate in previous years. Greg in Tennessee, how do you view Michigan's national championship one way or the other? What say you? Well, who's got it better than we do? Nobody. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Well done. Even even uh, Harry sitting in a hotel room naked because his suit was <laughs> hanging out there to dry, waiting to go to the airport. But they played a game last night, man. They showed up. And when when do you think, when John Harbaugh wins the Super Bowl, that you'll ever see two brothers win a national championship and a Super Bowl in the same year? And Jim Harbaugh, I can tell you, is going to the Chargers. Ooh. And he's waiting for Ryan Day to sign up to go to the Raiders because he <laughs> wants to beat that ass twice in a year instead of once. <laughs> but that, but that's wow. another phenomenal part to it, man. When, yeah. when you see these two brothers and you look at Baltimore being the best team in the National Football League right mm-hmm. now at the moment. Yeah. You look at the Michigan Wolverines, the best team in college football uh, at, at the moment. And, and they're brothers, right? It's a family affair. You see you see their father, Mr. Harbor, on the microphone last night, excited for his boys, man. And for Jim. Cool. Come yeah. on, man. You, it don't get any better than that. Yeah, it, well, it's going to get a lot better for him because he's off to the National Football lead to get even more riches because he wants that Super Bowl championship that he believes that he didn't get with San Francisco and was not allowed to stay on to try to find a way to right that wrong. He is Harry Douglas. Hit him on Twitter at HDouglas83. I'm Freddie Coleman. Hit me on Twitter at Coleman ESPN. Appreciate you joining us here on Freddie and Harry and staying in the NFL. The Tennessee Titans fired Mike Vrabel as their head coach today. Does that mean that the Patriots can have their successor if they fire Bill Belichick? I don't give a Find out next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, Harry Douglas played for the Tennessee Titans in addition to the Atlanta Falcons, so I can't wait to hear what he has to say with me, Freddie Coleman, on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. We just heard from Christine Lisi, our sports and an anchor, anchor goddess. Let's put it that way. She's not just an anchor. She's an anchor goddess. That... And she's happy because our Buffalo Bills well, are yeah. in the playoffs. <laughs> Christine Lisi. Six and no after being six and five beginning of the season. Yeah. They win their division the whole nine yards. So, yeah, she should be happy. She is feeling good about her team winning the AFC East and being a number two seed, which is the opposite. Other Tennessee Titans, who, by the way, beat the Jaguars and made things a lot easier for her on Sunday night to watch her football team not to worry about, we need to win to get in. They were already in. But as you heard from her, after six years, Titans move on from Mike Vrabel. You play for this organization, Harry, part of your 10-year NFL career. This is a surprise to so many people. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this happening to Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very, very close to that organization. Um, controlling owner Amy Adams Shrunk, uh, she is a phenomenal owner, a phenomenal lady, uh, really gets things done within the organization. Her father, Bud Adams, did a phenomenal job uh, with the Houston Oilers and then becoming the Tennessee Titans or whatnot. Uh, also, their new general manager, Rand Carthone. Right. That's someone I'm very close to, and I understand his mindset, a formal player, um, understands players uh, and the business from both sides, right? right? From a front office perspective, but also can dip into the player side of things because he was over there. The son of Maurice Carthone, who everyone mm-hmm. respects yep. across the National Football League as well. But when you look at the Tennessee Titans and you look at the six years that Mike Vrabel was the head coach going back to all, all the way to 2018, they went 9-7 and seven that year. 2019 is the year they went 9-7, and seven, made the playoffs – Actually had a nice, phenomenal run. Remember, they went to New England, beat the Patriots, and Tom Brady, that was his last game in a New England Patriots uniform. They went and faced the number one seed at Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson and beat them before losing to Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead Stadium. Now, you move to 2020-2021, they won the division, which was a goal, especially of of, of Mrs. Amy, for for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And when you look at that division and you look at the Houston Texans win that division, that doesn't sit well with Miss Amy, I promise you. Right? Her office and everything is in in Texas still. Mm-hmm. And she wants this program to get back to where she feel like feels like they're playing winning football and they have a chance to contend and compete. Yeah. Now the last two years, and well within those two years they won a the division. They lost in the wild card, right? They lost in the wild card to Lamar Jackson and the um, Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. And then the following year they lost in the divisional round after they get the number one seed to, to Joe Burrow. Yep. yep. In which they sacked him nine times. Now in 2022, 2023, the record is 13 and 21. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with personnel as well. Um, because John Robinson was the 
GM before Rand Carthorne got there, mm-hmm. and he may have made some decisions, trading away A.J. Brown, mm-hmm. which still to this day was the worst mm-hmm. decision a GM could have made. A because decision, I that Mike Vray, it, yeah, a decision that Mike Vray was not a, did a not, fan of. He, he wasn't happy about that. Um, we also see when a new general manager, you just have new within an organization, that if you aren't someone's guy and the mm-hmm. team isn't winning, mm-hmm. then you're more acceptable to not be there in the future. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of everything, and I'm going to talk to my people in Tennessee. Now, some things are meant for y'all to know. Some okay. things I'm not going to tell y'all a damn thing about because it's not meant for y'all to know. That's completely and, fine. And I protect my relationships with the people that I have. Sure. But when I have more clarity on you know, why this move was made, then I will let everyone know moving forward. I'll read this statement. Great stuff by Harry Douglas, like I mentioned. Played for Tennessee and the Atlanta Falcons. Part of his 10-year NFL career. Joining me, Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance and ESPN Radio. You mentioned Amy Adams-Strunk. For those who don't know, she's not just the owner. She's the Titans' controlling owner. Yep. When you put the word controlling between the team and your designation, it tells me who is the boss and everybody else had to fall in line. This was the statement she released. I'm going to read it word for word. As the NFL continues to innovate and evolve, I believe the team's best position for sustained success will be those who empower an aligned and collaborative team across all football functions. Last year, we began a shift in our approach to football leadership and made several changes to our personnel to advance that plan. As I continue to assess the state of our team, I arrived at the conclusion that the team would also benefit from the fresh approach and perspective of a new coaching staff, end quote. It goes back to exactly what you said about Rand Carthon. Mike Vrabel was not Rand Carthon's guy. Amy Adamstrong brought in Rand Carthon to replace a former Patriot acolyte when it comes to Robinson. Guy learned the Patriot way in that organization, and he brought in Mike Vrabel. And And those two worked well together. And let let me say this, too, because John Robinson had a nice run early on. Absolutely. But it was the tail end of John Robinson's Mm -hmm. tenure as a general manager where you're drafting secondary guys after secondary guys, and those guys weren't developing. Those guys, first round, second round draft picks, and those guys just weren't Mm -hmm. living up to their their bill. And then, like I mentioned, Freddie, that A.J. Brown thing, Mm -hmm. when I mean it rubbed, people the wrong way within that organization because you see what A.J. Brown is capable of, what he's doing with the Philadelphia Eagles last year after the trade, and then Mm -hmm. the Tennessee Titans played the Philadelphia Eagles last year, and A.J. Brown went off. So it it just threw more salt into the wound. Yeah, and now if you're Rand Carthon, whoever you're going to bring part of that San Francisco 49ers tree, because believe me, that's where that next head coach is coming from. But now you have an owner who says, we want everybody on the same page. And we also want to be at the front of the line for coaching candidates that are out there because you played yep. me that, what she had to say at that press conference on your phone. And I heard when we were listening to it. When I hear that from Amy Adams Strunk, that's a way of saying there's a guy they'll call Jim Harbaugh. I'm going to make sure that I want that guy. I'm not going to be the last team he speaks to. I'm going to be among the first teams that are going to be in contact with him because the kind of structure that we have. And oh, by the way, both of those guys in that San Francisco tree. San Francisco had Jim Harbaugh as their head coach. Rand Carthen was part of that organization back then in a lower-level capacity. So they know each other. They have some kind of relationship. If you're Mike Vrabel, that doesn't mean automatically you're not going to have a job. There's a certain guy that has a little job status going on right now that's a little shaky named Bill Belichick. I don't give a You have to give a bleep all you want, Bill Belichick. But if Robert Kraft decides to move on from a Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel could be a very, very attractive possibility. For the Patriots to say, even though we heard reports that Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft had a meeting, they're going to sit down and have another meeting. I still believe Bill Belichick is going to be there in 2024. 
But all of a sudden now, Harry, if you're Robert Kraft and you decide that I want to kind of start over and move into 21st century football and 21st century analytics, I got a guy that is not really of the Patriot way, even though he played for Bill Belichick, part of that Patriot way. Well, yeah, he's the one guy that you could say who was tied to Bill Belichick, not on the coaching side, but playing. Uh, that's how he's tied to the New England Patriots and Bill that did things his way, right? He didn't go into jobs even when he was an assistant or mm-hmm. D.C. when he was with the Houston Texans or nor when he got the job with the Tennessee Titans and say, you know what, I'm going to do things the way Bill did it in New England. No, it wasn't none of that. He did it his way and he believed it. And I will also, you know, it would be terrible of me if I didn't sit up here and say this. Hey, Mike Vabrell is a phenomenal coach now. He's a good coach. He, he's, a, he's a damn good coach. He's the only guy I've ever seen Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick during a football game, right? Pull one of his own moves on him during a football game or was able to win because of it. So he's very, very high intelligent. He understands the rules of the game, um, the ins and outs of it all. He, he, he wants his players to be tough. Mm-hmm. And we've seen when he was coaching the Tennessee Titans – that team uh, take on the mindset and the mental capacity and the physical capacity of their head coach. And they went out there and displayed it on the regular. Now, it it wasn't the way they wanted it to be the last two years. But when they were winning, going to the playoffs three straight years in a row, that's what we've seen from the players, really mimicking the mindset and the mental of their head coach. This was a thorough house cleaning by Amy Adams-Strunk because Derrick Henry's not coming back, Nuke Hopkins is not coming back, Ryan Tannehill's not coming back. Running back, wide receiver, quarterback, respectively, all part of that old guard. I think that also factored into this decision. If we're going to start over, we're not just going to bring in new players because we've taken this as far as we can go. We had a number one seed and could not even get out of our own way and lose that football game at home to the Cincinnati Bengals. This was the end of the house cleaning from Amy Adams Strunk. You're going to move on from those players? You've got to move on from a guy that those players have been synonymous with when it comes to your quarterback in Tannehill, your running back in Derrick Henry, and you went out and got Nuke Hopkins, who fit exactly how the Tennessee Titans love to play and tried to win that football way. And I'm going to throw two more people into that, that equation. When you look at offensive line play, Taylor Lewan, he was a part of that as well. When you look at Ben Jones, one of my favorite teammates of all time, a center, phenomenal center, played at the University of Georgia, he was a part of that transition as well. So mm-hmm. things are changing and, and moving in a different direction in Tennessee. And you hate to see Coach Vrabel go because he's a damn good coach. But right. if you want to be on the same page through and through throughout the organization, you need everyone on the same page uh, uh, page, and right. the vision to be, this, to be the same amongst everyone. In other words, the plot thickens when it comes to NFL coaches, those who are staying, and those who have been told to leave. Like Mike Vrabel was told today, five up to six years as the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. You can always join the conversation at Dr. Pepper. Call in line, say what you got to say, and we're going to be here to hear it at 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. He is Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman together on Freddie and Harry. We got the playoffs starting this weekend in the National Football League, two games on Saturday, three on Sunday, and one on Monday. Who has the best chance to recover this weekend after the way they lost their division in the last month between the Miami Dolphins in the AFC East and the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East? I guarantee you, Harry and I will not agree. Find out next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Long Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman together. And Freddie and Harry, thanks for joining us on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN radio. Draymond Green, who has been reinstated by the NBA, he's going to play later on this week, is supposed to speak. When he does and whatever he has to say, we will bring all that to you. When Draymond Green, recently reinstated by the NBA, he's supposed to speak in about another 25, 30 minutes. And whenever he does that, whatever he has to say, we'll make sure that you hear it as well. So we'll do that right here on Freddie and Harry at some time when that actually happens. Speaking of not happening, that would be the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles in the last month. If you told Freddie Coleman and Harry Douglas a month ago that three teams that led their divisions – Eagles in the AFC, NFC East, Miami in the AFC East, and Jacksonville in the AFC South, and only two of those teams were limited to playoffs and one would be out, we'd have said there's no way. But, Harry, we got the Dolphins limping in, we got the Eagles Eagles limping in, and the Jaguars thrown out of the club after losing the Tennessee Titans allowing Buffalo and Pittsburgh to be in the playoffs. If I say which team has the best chance to recover from that collapse when it comes to this weekend in the playoffs with the Eagles on the road against Tampa Bay – and Miami on the road versus Kansas City, as you're laughing out loud, which team are you taking or not taking and why? Not a damn one of them. <laughs> and I mean, I mean it when I say it, Freddie. There's nothing that I'm seeing from the Philadelphia Eagles right now uh-huh. that makes me believe that they're going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have two 1,000-yard receivers on their roster right now and Baker Mayfield playing good football. There's nothing, there's nothing that they do to, to, to make me believe that. On top of having a guy in Todd Bowles who's going to understand that one of the struggles for Jalen Hurts in this offense this season has been against the Blitz. And them understanding how to beat it and having concepts to defeat that Blitz. In which we've seen on Sunday Night Football versus the Dallas Cowboys, they struggle tremendously in that category. Mm-hmm. So what makes people think that the Dallas, excuse me, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Todd Bowles and company won't give those same looks to the Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys game? Okay. That, I, mm-hmm. and, but on top of it, mm-hmm. you look at their defense and you look at their secondary. Yeah. How are they going to defend 
Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans. Yeah, because Brown is out with a torn ACL. Blankenship is compromised. You don't know if he's yeah. even going to play on Monday night when they take on Tampa Bay at 8.15 on ABC and ESPN. I don't see it happening. So you're choosing neither. You don't give it a Well, and, and I'll tell you about the Miami Dolphins. Uh-huh. They're so banged up. They were already down past rushers before they entered the game. Right. They had guys left and right still going down during the game. They out there playing with old lady of, of mercy. <laughs> they, they out there praying that somebody can rush the passer. Uh-huh. They started playing, was it Melvin Ingram? Melvin Ingram. And they, yes. had, they also had him in coverage, too. In coverage. Uh, against Dawson Knox and Kincaid. That did not land well. But I, I look at the temperatures in Kansas City. Yeah. And Kansas City are accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill's accustomed to it. Not everybody else. The Miami Dolphins. On Saturday, it's going to be minus one degree. Oh. The, the low. Oh. Now, Freddie, not, every, not oh. everyone has experienced something like that. But, uh-huh. ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I played in Kansas City when it was negative 16 with the wind chill. Oh. And I almost said, that S-H-I-T ain't fun. That stuff is no fun. <laughs> I, man, listen to me. In warm-ups, I dropped every pass uh-huh. that Mariota threw me in warm-ups. Right. And it was the first time in my life, Fred, I said, well, damn, I hope he don't throw it to me in this game. <laughs> <laughs> my hands felt like bricks. Called it in a witch's brew, huh? Man, I'm telling you right now. And that's, that minus one? It's not even – I don't even think that's the wind chill included. No, no, that's minus one game time temperature. Yes. Yeah, which means the game time temperature could be minus 15. Right, Devin Kane, our producer? Can I ask you a question, Harry, about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to hear this what, question. What, what are your thoughts – I don't know if you maybe had some teammates that did this. What are your thoughts of the guys that, like, try to show that they're tough, that they go out on the frigid cold with no – you know, no yeah. – just their, their bare sh- – no shirt on? Mm-hmm. Well yeah. – Oh, you talking about like, like well, I, I never wore sleeves. Okay. So in those temperatures, I didn't wear. You talking about just in warm ups? Yeah, like, in warm ups, they do it just to, just they for the video. Yeah, oh they yeah, they just topless. Yeah. They just want to show. They want people to see their little body and all that. They juvenile. Why, extremely juvenile. Juvenile. Mother Nature's undefeated. If you want people to see your body, boy, go to the beach. You know what I mean? Put your leopard speedos on like your boy. Or at least get paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mean I'm playing football. I'm talking get, about getting paid. Get for paid it. to be a model. Like a photo shoot. You know what I mean? You want to be oiled up? That's your prerogative. We won't want to see it in the pregame show. Despite all of that, I still give the Dolphins the best chance to recover because I still wonder how much of the mental manhood of the Philadelphia Eagles is taken out by the San Francisco 49ers. Because leading up to the week of that game, San Francisco said, oh, we're going to have our quarterback this time. Philly's like, yeah, whatever. We're still going to knock you out anyway. And then they got knocked the bleep out, like in the movie Friday. And they have not recovered Mentally and physically. That's why I thought it was odd that their coach Nick Sirianni said this about his team. None of us are quitters. We all get up off the mat and we keep going. When you're when you get hit in life, when you get hit in football, you got two options. You can stay down, you can get the F up. And I know this group is fighters. I know this group will get up. I know that we've all been through things in our life that is that's that we've had all had to deal with and we know how to get up. And that's why we're all sitting in this room. The same message that I talked to the guys about last year, you know, going into the NFC Championship game about not only are we physically tough, we're mentally tough and thinking about the, all the stuff that you've been through in your life and why you're in this seat right now. There's the same message I would say right now. Why would a coach say that if he didn't believe that his team did that? Mm-hmm. Why would a coach unprompted put that out there if you don't believe your team did that against the Giants in the final game of the regular season? Well, Nick Sirianni, he better hope and pray that they don't lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, how many coaching vacancies do we have open right now? What, seven right five, now? Five or six. Yeah, six or seven, one or two. Are you, think, are you trying to say maybe eight if they lose to Tampa Bay? Man, that's what you're saying? Hey. Are you putting it out there? It's a possibility. 
Well, they did move on from Doug Peterson barely two, three years after winning a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Nothing's off the table in Philadelphia. What have you done for me lately? Wow. They were that they were that their six openings. They were that close. The Eagles last year to win the Super Bowl. They were ten and one. Close, but no cigar. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they got plenty of cigars. They didn't smoke them. <laughs> Martha Cigar smoked them when it was all said and done. Always hit us on Twitter. We'd love to see what you have to say at Coleman ESPN. That's my handle at HDouglas83. That's Harry's handle. It is Freddie and Harry. And we got our final NFL selection committee teams. And where are the Cleveland Browns as a part of that? So you Browns fans can leave us alone. That's next. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.